Tonight, it's a real privilege to just share what God's been stirring in me, and I just get to share with you what's in my heart. And so um, I really believe the Holy Spirit wants to move tonight. I really believe he wants to touch people's hearts. And so um, we're going to go through this message called Heaven's Call tonight. And it was about uh, maybe three weeks ago that this this kind of... Uh, line just dropped in my spirit. It was called Heaven's Call. And straight after, you can see I've hashtagged it because I'm up with pop culture. It's called um, Higher Ways. And this line was just Heaven's, heaven's Call, Higher Ways. Heaven's Call, Higher Ways. And, and I just felt this presence and the sense of God just calling me to think about Heaven's Call over my life. What was Heaven's Call? And that it was going to take Higher Ways of living to get there. And um, before I go any further, I want everyone to understand that there is a call of heaven over everybody's life in here. There's not one person who sits here tonight and, and you miss out on a call from heaven. There's not one person that God said, actually, I've just made you to take up space. And there's, there's no one who's done anything so bad or been so low or so dark that you can cancel out the purpose of God for your life. The only person that can stand in that way is you and whether you choose to step into it or not. So there's a call of heaven over everybody's life. And uh, Ephesians 1, 11 to 12 says, It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we heard of Christ... And got our hopes up. He had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. So long before you even heard of Christ, he was thinking of you. And he's thinking of the plans that he had for you. And there is a call from heaven over your life tonight. This might be the first time you've ever heard it. But let me tell you, there is a call of heaven over your life for an eternal purpose. And, uh, and it is God's will that you would walk that out and live that victoriously. And so to expand on that a little tonight, we're going to look at two guys and they're going to help us um, through the Bible. And it is Elijah and Elisha, annoyingly similar, similar I know. Very, very sorry about that. Uh, but here's the trick. If you think of Elijah, the J comes before the S in the alphabet. So Jah is the old guy and Shah is the young guy, okay? So let's all work with that and we've got that. All right, so who is Elijah? Elijah is a prophet of God in the Old Testament and uh, he was, he's an incredible man and he, he did, had monumental words for Israel and he did many miracles. He was, he was the prophet of God for Israel in this time and you find his story mostly in 1 Kings crosses over into two kings as well a little. But, um, and he was the prophet of God. And then we meet this other guy who's Elisha. And we're introduced to Elisha and there's not really a lot to see. Um, he's in the Bible because God has revealed to Elijah, old guy, that Elisha, young guy, was going to take his place. And so Elijah uh, sets out to find this guy, Elisha, and when, and when we find him, there's not much to see. He's just, you know where he is? He's plowing in a field. And, um, and Elijah walks past and he gets this thing, uh, which the Bible uh, refers to as a mantle, but it's, you can think of it like a cloak or a, um, a coat or something. And he walks past Elisha 
and he throws his mantle over him and keeps walking. And in that moment, um, Elisha had a choice. Do, do I follow or do I think, I'd, sweet, new coat. Do I, what, what's happening here? And so Elijah, who'd been told by God, that's the guy who's going to take over and be the prophet of Israel. Um, there was no stopping and talking about it. Elijah didn't go, I've got a proposition for you, Elisha. Um, prophet, what do you think? And there was no talking about it. There was no discussing what the future would look. He just walked on. And in, in the story, we read that Elisha actually went and took all his plow tools and he burnt them. He's like, all right, none of this old life is going to be worth anything to me anymore because I've seen and I've felt the weight of the call of God upon my life. And so he, and he walks on and, and you would think, wow, I wonder what happened next. What did they do that night? Like what, what miracles did they do that night? The next day they would have done some insane prophecy thing. But what really happened was not a lot. We see, if we read on, we see that Elijah actually goes, actually, I'm just going to take that mantle back for a little while. He didn't take the calling back. No one can take the calling of God off your life. He took the weight and the anointing that, that was in that mantle because if we get the anointing and the power of our destiny before we have the maturity, the spiritual maturity to carry it, then we'll squander it because we'll think it's about us when it's all about Jesus. And so for the next six years, we don't see much of, of Elisha. We see a few miracles, not, not too great. But six years... This guy was called to be the mouthpiece of God for Israel, and he's silent for six years. And, uh, and, and, and you know what he was doing? He was doing what God asked him to do then and there. And so often we, we see a, a little glimpse of the destiny or we see that there's a dream that sparks in the heart and we see what's next or we see a little bit of the call of heaven. We get this sense of, yeah, that's where I'm going. And we want to skip right there. We want to skip over what God has for us now and get right there because we're so excited about it. But you know, the thing about calling is this. What you do now... And how you do it is the most important thing in determining what will God give you next. You might have a sense of the calling of what God is going to do. I might plan, I'm going to plant a church one day, or I'm going to run a business one day, or I'm going to have a family one day. But what is God asking you to do now, right now? So don't rush the season you're in because even if it's mundane, even if it's trivial, it's, I can imagine Elisha would have just been doing pre-prophet stuff. <laughs> day in, day out. When do I get to wear the coat again, Elijah? Imagine if every time you read in the Bible, okay, Elijah performed a miracle, God was glorified. And we read straight after, and Elisha complained annoyingly that it wasn't his turn yet. And how often we do that to God. We see God moving outwardly in someone else's life, and we just think, oh, when is it my turn, God? 
When's it my turn? And I believe God's answer to that every single time is, it is your turn. It's always been your turn. Your turn's just wrapped up in a little thing called obedience. Because you, you might see an outward working of God in somebody's life and you never know the cost that it got to get there. And you might have caught a glimpse of heaven's call over your life. Might be to be, I want a, I want a wife, God. I want to be a really good husband. Maybe God's asking you to deal with the lust that you have now. Because if you don't deal with the lust that you have now, if you take that into your marriage, into, into your next season, gosh, it's going to destroy and you won't have the, the thing that you need now for the next season. If you skip over the season that God has you in now, you won't be ready for the season that he has for you next because you won't have learned what he wanted to teach you. So six years on, we see Elijah and Elisha taking a walk. And uh, I went through a whole heap of sermon titles today. One of them was The Last Walk. thought it was a bit depressing. So I declined on that one. Anyway, so we've got a fair bit of scripture just to read here. And it'll be on the screens for you. But we're going to take up in, um, in King, 2 Kings 2. And we see Elijah and Elisha taking their last walk together. So six years they have, they have spent together and Elijah has taught him the word and taught him the ropes and taught him how, um, how to be faithful to the call that God has on his life. And do we have it there or have I done something wrong? I'll start reading. My, t- my time is limited. Okay. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way to Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, hey, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went on down to Bethel. When they got to Bethel, the company of the prophets at Bethel, that means a group of prophets at Bethel, came out to Elisha and asked, hey, do you know that the Lord's going to take your master away from you today? Yeah, I know, Elisha said, so be quiet. So Elijah said to him, stay here, Elisha, stay here. Uh, The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. And the company of prophets at Jericho went to Elisha and asked him, Do you know that Lord, the Lord's going to take your master away from you today? Yeah, I know, says Elisha, so be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Well, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Jordan. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two walked on. In this passage, we see demonstrated for us one of the determining factors between people who follow heaven's call on their lives and those who don't. And it's this. They stop when comfort is offered instead of continuing in the call. Three outs, Elisha was offered. Three outs. Stay here, Elisha. Honestly, it's a nice town. You could set yourself up. You could love God in this town. You could attend church in this town. You could do your pre-profit stuff in this town. Stay. Uh Uh-uh. I'm going to walk on. They get to the next town. You know, 
It's too much hassle. Stay here. This is a nice town too. And three times, it's like Elijah was saying, are you sure? Are you sure you're ready for this? Are you sure you could stay here? It wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be wrong. And you know what? If you never walk into the destiny God calls for you, you know what? You can still love God. You'll just live at a lower level of satisfaction in any spiritual area of your life. You'll always have that nagging of, I don't know, it just doesn't make sense. I feel there's a call to more. And, and there's a story in Luke 9 where we see... Th- Three people question Jesus. And it's very similar that there's three outs on the way for Elijah and Elisha's walk. And here we see Jesus and an enthusiastic crowd. And Jesus must have been cool as he was. But everyone was really excited around Jesus. And one guy yells out and he says, hey, Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And then Jesus turns around to him and he says, well, the son of man has nowhere to rest his head. Meaning, I've got no security in this walk. I don't know where I'm going to be tomorrow. And in the message version, it's actually, he replies, he says, well, are you ready to rough it? And you, and you see, he kind of <laughs> backs off. The next guy yells out, and, and they're enthusiastic. Don't get me wrong. They're enthusiastic. Master, I'll follow you wherever you go. And then Jesus, and he says, but first, let me go and bury my father. And most people think Jesus is really harsh here. And he says, when he says, you know what, let the dead bury their dead. I'm in the life business. But if you look, Bible scholars would tell you that the tradition is that the firstborn was to bury the father because they'd get the double inheritance. So really, if you look at it, it's a financial thing because the nextborn was, was ready to bury the father and they get the double inheritance. And so Jesus was saying, are you ready to give up being so secure in your finances? He says, just wait, give me a few days. I'll get the inheritance that, that's owed to me and then I'll be ready to go. Second out. And the third guy goes, well, I'll follow you, master. I'll follow you wherever. Just let me go home. Let everybody know. Make sure everyone's okay with this call thing. And you know what? It's comfortable. When Elisha turned and said, you know what? Elijah turned and said, stay here. How often we say, oh, well, he's secure. I can love God here. I can love finance. And I'm not saying that's bad. God can use that. But if it's where your hope and faith is, that's bad. and, and, And we stop and we go, well, Here looks really financially secure. I'll just stay here. You guys walk on. And here I'm not setting any, I'm not upsetting any relationships with following the, I'm not not making anybody uncomfortable. You guys walk on from here. and, And these guys were enthusiastic guys. But the problem with enthusiasm is the moment it doesn't go your way, it runs out. 
And we need to go beyond being enthusiastic about Jesus to being, as long as you live, I will follow you. As long as all my days shall live, I will follow you. You can give me every out possible. Notice it wasn't the enemy giving him the out. It was his mentor and his teacher saying, are you, are you really in? Are you really, really in? Yep. As long as you live, I'll follow. We find these two guys and they walk on. And it reads in verse 7, 50 men from the company of prophets went and stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah And Elisha stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took that cloak and he rolled it up and he struck the water with it. And the waters divided to the right and to the left. And the two of them crossed over onto dry ground. When when they had crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you before I'm taken from you? And he said, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. You see that heaven's call is all about building the spirit in you, not the stuff around you. Let me inherit a double portion. And he says, you have asked a hard thing, Elijah. Yet if you see me when I'm taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not be. And as they were walking along and talking together, Suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. And then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. Elisha then picked up that cloak that he'd once felt before that had fallen from him and he went back and stood at the bank of the Jordan and he took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and he struck the water with it and he said, where now is the Lord God of Elisha? Elijah, where now? Not where next. Where now do you want me? Where now is the God of Elijah? He asked and he struck the water and it divided from the right and to the left and he crossed over. And the company of prophets from Jericho who were watching said the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they went to meet him, bowed down to the ground before him. Look, they said, we're your servants. We have 50 able men. Let them go and look for your master. Perhaps the spirit of God has picked him up and put him on a mountain. No, Elisha replied, do not send them. But if you see me, you can have what you ask for. The thing that really gets me about the story is that there were 50 other prophets standing at a distance. Why didn't they walk on? What stopped them walking on? 50, not one of them walked with them. Only one got to cross to the other side. Only Elisha had the conversation about what does he really want. And I think of the the scripture, Matthew 22, verse 14, for many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called, but few are chosen. I think this is one of the things that 
has been weighing on my heart so much and it's been stirring within me. That so many of us, are call- in fact, all of us are called, but why do so few stand up and be chosen? My fear is that we would become a church who silences heaven's call, but just calls on heaven when it's needed. And as I look around the room tonight, I see destiny after destiny after destiny after destiny. And a call to more, a call to commitment. Not to stop in the comfort zone. And when the voices say, do you know how hard this is going to be? You can say, yeah, quiet. I'm walking on. I am walking on. And it was, it was his fellow prophet's who chastised him said, hey, do you know that your master's going to go today? I broke down in tears when I read that they were walking and talking together and then he was gone. What heartbreak for Elisha. What heartbreak. And these other prophets are going, you know what the cost is? Do you know how hard it's going to be for you? He's like, yeah, but I'm walking on. And can I remind you, church, that Elisha's greatest pain and greatest power came in this same moment. The cost is not without pain. It is not without sacrifice, but it is so worth it. He got what he asked for. He went on to do double the amount of miracles that Elijah did. And God is saying to us, just as Elijah said to Elisha, if you can see it, you can have it. Why did the 50 prophets over here not see it? Because they weren't close enough. You've got to stay close to the master. You've got to stay close to the one that you're following. You've got to stay close to hear his voice that you could in the walk zone and in the talk zone and not at the distant zone to say, oh, look, the spirit has, has fallen on that person. We'll serve them. Serve the living God who calls you. A heaven's call is upon you. Don't stand at a distance and watch anymore. Go, God, yeah, it's my turn and I am willing to walk on. I'm willing to walk on. And I, I, sorry if I feel, I'm, I feel there's an urgency about this. I really do. I feel an urgency in my spirit because even though no one can take your call from you, remember the story of the talents, the three talents. One guy was given 10, one guy was given five, and one guy was given one. And the master went away and he came back. And sorry if I'm making this too small for you, but um, it's not in my message, but I just want to say it. And he says, what did you do with what I gave you? And the guy who was given 10, he said, well, I doubled mine. And he said, well done. Well done. And to the five, he said, what did you? He said, I doubled mine. And it didn't matter that this guy had 20 and this guy had now 10. They got the same praise because they were both obedient. It doesn't matter whether your call is seen or unseen. It matters whether you're obedient. And to the one who he said, I gave you one, what did you do? He goes, well, I did nothing. He took that one and gave it to another. Do not think that the call of God does not walk by because God wants to do something in this generation. He will not wait. He will give it to someone else if you won't be obedient to what he's calling you to do. 
He will give it on. He will give it on. And there is an urgency in my spirit that, that we would not stop at the comfort zone anymore. That we wouldn't stop. There's a scripture in Hebrews and it says, throw off every weight and every sin that holds you back, that you may run the race with endurance. I listened to a message by Christine Kane and she delved into this beautifully, but she was talking about the difference between a weight and a sin. Because there's a difference. Sin is something totally against God where he says, no, don't do that. But a weight is something different. It, it's just something that holds you back and it could be a good thing. It could be something that once propelled you to do something great, but now it's holding you back from the next place. It's, it might be the thing where you're staying at the other place and it might be a group of people who once were really good for you, but now their thinking is, is, is not as you're thinking in a different way. You're thinking like, I'm going to walk on, but they're going to stay here. And so maybe you need to unweight yourself of the people you hang around in it. It might be, yeah, you have a great job, but it's not the job God's calling you to. And you need to unweight yourself and move on. Or, or maybe you're in some friendship groups or some habits that you have that you need to unweight yourself that you can walk on. Because this is a race that we are called to run and run with endurance. Eternity is calling, church. Heaven's call, eternity is on the line here. And God is saying to us, stay close. Don't give in. If you've, had, if you've settled for less, for comfort, or if you've stopped back there and now you're watching the action... Get up and start running. Catch up. Catch up. Elijah did not wait. Elisha had to catch up to get the call of God. Catch up, church. And if the band would come, or just, Reese, where are you? If Reese, you would come. Because I believe, I felt so strongly that this was, uh, I, walked, I was pacing around our lounge room and I said to Luke, I'm getting a prophetic word. I'm getting a prophetic word. <laughs> he goes, oh, good. <laughs> but honestly, we cannot stop. Walk on, church. Keep going. As long as you live, as long as you keep calling me, God, I'm going to keep walking on. And if it's the... Do the thing that God's calling you to do now. Don't try and skip over what he's teaching you, what he's stretching you, what he's, what he's, what he's trying to pull out of you. He's refining you. Stay close. Stay close in the walking and the talking zone. And if you need to ask for forgiveness tonight, and if you need to catch up tonight, I, I really want to pray for people who do. Because it's, it's urgent. It's urgent. Heaven is counting on us. Amen. So if you'd like to stand, nailed that for time.
So there's three types of people, not types, but three people, categories I want to pray for tonight that God was putting on my heart. One, if you've never heard of Jesus Christ and how he loves you and how he, how he died for you and how he has a purpose for you and how nothing that you've done could ever stop him loving you and ever stop the plan that he has for you and wanting, wanting you to have purpose. I, want you, I, I would love the privilege of introducing you to my best friend, Jesus Christ, tonight. second group of people I want to pray for are those who know that when the question, and you know what, it could have been a whisper, could have been so subtle that you stopped back there and somehow you've just got comfy and God is calling you, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, the call's up here, come on, come on, when now is the God of Elijah. See how the 50 prophets went, well, we'll go look for Elijah. Stop looking for what he's done. Look for what he's doing now. Don't stay back in the victories back there. He's got new victories for you. He's got new, new deliverance for you, new souls to win, new, new places to go. And the third group of people, which is probably unique, but I was driving here and I felt like God wanted me to pray for people who believed they were going to plant a church one day. I don't know why that is. But I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do something. And can I just say gently that there's no shame if you've stopped. There's only love and forgiveness and grace. And so if you're one of those three people, and I'm not going to, we're all not going to know who you are, but I'll probably come and talk to you and just see where you're at and we'd love to pray with you. As the band comes, if band, if there's anyone who wants to stay and pray, please don't feel like you need to get up. But as we sing this song, I would love you to come forward and say, God, I am walking on. I am coming back or I am coming to know Jesus Christ or I want that covering and anointing to plant churches. As we sing, guys, and um, just come and we'll pray for you. And I know God wants to do something special in people's lives tonight. Amen.